Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. A very important doctrine in the scripture is the sovereignty of God. The problem is that many people are confused about what this means. There are those who think because God is sovereign, and he is, that everything that happens, that is his will. This is a false teaching. As I've said many times, sin is always a violation of God's will. God does not do evil. God does not encourage one to do evil. And God does not need evil to be done for his will to be fulfilled. However, when there is evil in the world, and there is, God is free to use that. He doesn't cause it. He doesn't want it, but he is free to use it for his glory. And this is what we see in regard to Babylon. Take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Isaiah and chapter 47. This chapter is about one thing, God's judgment on Babylon. We see this judgment taught not just in Isaiah, but also in the book of Jeremiah. God judged Babylon. Why? Because they came and they destroyed Jerusalem, the temple of God, took people captive. And you say, well, God wanted all of that. No, God used that in order to punish his people. But Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire, they did not do these things in order to serve God, in obedience to God's will. They did it because they were evil. They did it because they wanted to. Was God free to use that? Of course. Did he cause it? No, he did not. Did he incite Nebuchadnezzar to do this? He did not. This was all Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire. And this is why, because of their wickedness, this is why we see prophetically God punishes Babylon. And this is what we're going to focus in on in this 47th chapter. So let's begin. Isaiah 47, beginning in verse 1. The first word is a command. He's speaking to Babylon. We'll see a unique term in a moment. But he says, go down and sit. Now, this is going to be an example of defeat and shame. Clearly, in this first section, we see this defeat and the shame of the Babylonian Empire. He says, go down and sit upon the dust. Now, sitting in the dust and in ashes shows a humiliation. 
For one of faith, it is part of repentance, but not in this case. This is simply showing how God is going to make low, how he's going to humiliate, how he's going to punish Babylon. So he says, go down and sit upon the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. Now, this is how she portrays herself as clean, as pure, as good, but don't let that deceive you. God recognizes Babylon for her evilness, and he is going to deal with her accordingly. So go down and sit upon the dust, O daughter of the virgin, virgin daughter of Babylon. Sit upon the ground. There is no, and the term kise in this context means throne. And what it's speaking about is the Babylonian empire, its rule, its throne is going to be no more. And we know that this took place because the Persians and the Mede conquered the Babylonian and moved their empire to another capital. So this is prophetic, but we see in our days, historically, it's already happened. There is no throne for the daughter of the Chaldeans, the Kastim, another term that means the Babylonians. For you will not continue to be called soft, and some Bibles will say tender. It's a word of delight. So you're not going to be seen as, as precious, soft, delicate, and you're not going to have any longer delight. God is bringing this empire to an end, verse 2. He says, take a millstone and ground flour. Now, this is speaking about labor. This is speaking about having to work, not benefit from the enslavement of others that serve you, but you are going to be made as slaves. And he says, re re remove or reveal. Now, what it speaks of here is that the veil, some translations will say hair, Remove your veil or reveal it. And also, it says here that, that it will be uncovered, that is revealed, your, your leg, and also revealed your thigh, and you will pass through the rivers. Now, this is a, a testimony that God is making that in the same way that, that the Babylonians caused the Jewish people to go and be taken into Babylon, pass through different places on the way to captivity, what he's saying now is this, this virgin daughter who was seen as honorable and precious by the world. What's going to happen? She is going to, to uncover either her hair or her veil. She is going to, to lift up her, her skirt, as we'll see. She is going to bare, expose her, her body. Why? 
because she is also going to be moved away. She also is going to pass to a far place, and she's going to go through the rivers. And then it says in verse 3, Reveal your nakedness, also shall be seen your reproach. So your nakedness is going to be revealed. It's in the nif'al, which means the passive. So your nakedness is going to be exposed, also your, your disgrace. And God says, vengeance I will take and will not be interceded by a man. So it doesn't matter who intercedes for Babylon, who prays in, in this empire's behalf, God is not going to, to receive that. He's not going to be, to be listening to such prayers of anyone. Verse 4, in punishing Babylon, bringing this empire to an end, there's going to be a, a change. And that is a change where God is going to once more renew his covenantal relationship with Israel. It is the Lord God of Israel that is punishing Babylon, bringing this empire to an end. And we know something. With the end of Babylon, there's a new empire. And the leader of this empire, Korish, who we spoke about earlier, he is going to give an edict for the people to be brought back to the land of Israel. So here it's speaking about with Babylon's judgment is going to come a change, a redemptive change. And that's why it says, Our Redeemer is a Lord of hosts. His name, the Holy One of Israel. So the Lord of hosts, our Redeemer, this is his name. And he is the Holy One of Israel. Now, this term, Holy One of Israel, reveals that God is going to sanctify Israel, bring Israel eventually into his will, to bring about a change that fulfills the purposes of God. Verse, verse 5. Continuing on in this term of judgment for Babylon, God says, sit, they sit, or she sits in silence. She enters in, she goes into darkness, O daughter of the Chaldeans. For she will not, or you will not continue to be called the lady of, of kingdoms. Meaning this, at one time Babylon ruled over many kingdoms, many nations. And she was seen as the lady of all of these these nations, these kingdoms, but this is all coming to an end. So you will not to be, you will not, it will not be continued that you should be called and thought of in this way. Verse 6. Now God explains why the Babylonian captivity took place, why Nebuchadnezzar took control of, of Jerusalem and destroyed the city and the temple and Judah in general. God says, I was angry for my people. He was angry against them, concerning them. 
He said, I profane did something that was not according to God's will from the beginning. And what happened that changed that? The sin of Israel, their disobedience, their idolatry brought about God to profane his inheritance, meaning the people. In this passage, the term Ami, my people, and my inheritance are, are parallel with one another. He says, I will give them into your hand, referring to the hand of the Babylonians. And you did not show compassion to them. Upon an older man, this could be an elderly one in general, your yoke was heavy, very heavy upon. Verse 7. And say forever. Now, this is what Babylon thought. This is how Babylon viewed herself. She would say, forever I will be a lady. And this is a term of honor. This is a term of prominence and prestige. This is what she thinks about herself, this empire. Forever I will be a lady. And these things, he says, you did not pay attention. You did not set these things upon your heart. And you did not remember therein. Now, this is speaking about consequences. <laughs> they simply did not ever think about the consequences that they were attacking the city of the God of Israel, that they were doing something against God's covenant people. They did not think about what the consequences of such behavior would be. And now in this prophecy, we're seeing what those consequences are. Look now to, to verse 8. And now, hear this. And then the word here is for the, the precious or gentle one. And this is a word that comes from a Hebrew concept of adornment. She who adored herself. She who treated herself in a very luxurious manner. So he says in verse 8, now listen to this. This one who is, is uh, adorned, the one who thinks that, that she sits in safety, who says in her heart, I am, and basically there is no other. She is only consumed with herself, and she gives no thoughts to others. Now, one of the ways that some understand this is simply an absence of the revelation of God. When we look at God's revelation, I'm speaking about the Torah. Now, even though God gave the Torah to Israel, Israel was called to be a light to the nations, and there are consequences when those nations do not behave properly. And you say, well, wait a second. Did Israel do a good job in sharing that? No, Israel did not. But God's standards, for whatever reason, you are responsible. Why? Well, we know something. We've been talking in other studies that, that God has given all people a conscience. 
And God, who is creator, we can see, for example, in the book of Romans, chapter 1, pay attention to verse 19, it says very clearly that the, the knowledge of God that he is, his character, God has placed this knowledge within them through the conscience. So even though Israel did not do a good job being a light to the nations, this does not spare the Babylonians' responsibility. They were pursuing their own sinful desires, giving no thought to creator God. And therefore, he says, the one who sits, this is her perception, in safety, who says in her heart, it's me and there's no other. I will not, not sit as a widow, nor will I know bereavement. Now, this term bereavement means to suffer the death of children. So she says, death is not going to visit me. I'm not going to be a widow, and I'm not going to, to bereave the death of my children. What is this all saying? She does not believe that there's going to be consequences to her sins. She does not believe in the judgment of God. She rejects that. And unfortunately, there are those within the so-called believing community that that believe that God is only a God of love, only a God of grace, that there's going to be no judgment, God's wrath, that's an Old Testament concept, it's no longer valid for a New Testament faith, this is not the case. Now, obviously, those who believe in the message of the New Testament are not going to receive God's wrath, but don't think that the God of the New Testament does not display wrath. We see this taught clearly that he does. What does it say in the book of Romans, chapter 1, the previous verse, verse 18? It speaks about how the wrath of God is revealed in this world for those who walk in evil, who reject the word of God. So God's wrath is seen throughout the New Testament as well. Now look at verse 9. We're speaking about death visiting. Death is a consequence of sin, and therefore in verse 9 it says, these two things, they will come upon you. In a moment, in one day, bereavement and being a widow, according to their fullness, they shall come upon you. And why? Now, not just because of Babylonians' aggressiveness and war against Judah and taking the people captive and destroying the temple. There was something that was foundational that caused Babylon to behave in this way. And what is that? They were not under the authority of the God of Israel, but notice what it says. The implication is because of the abundance of your, your sorcery and the strength of your enchantments, and then it ends exceedingly or very, meaning they were very much involved in idolatry witchcraft, sorcery, making these enchantments. They were part of the occult. 
They were under the influence of the enemy from the pit of hell, the, the diabolical one, Satan. And because they were serving him, we see that, that they are going to suffer the consequences of such behavior. Verse, verse 10. And you trusted in your evil. They believed, the Babylonian Empire believed, that in evilness that they were going to find success find those things that they want, meaning this evil in, in contrast to the will of God. They were ones that believed that it's not according to God's will do we find those desirable things, those things that satisfy, but against the will of God, being in defiance towards him. This is their problem. And this is why they did the things they did. Did God use it for his purpose? Yes, but that does not remove the guilt from, from Babylon. That's what this passage is all about. So once again, and you trusted in your evilness, and you have said, no one sees me. Now, this statement is, again, a statement of defiance concerning an all-knowing God. They don't believe a God, and they don't believe in a God who knows all things and is all-powerful. They were deceived to believe that they were so great, so powerful, so wise and knowledgeable in the, the forces of evil, which they thought were, were marvelous, what they esteemed, what they practiced, they thought that they were so schooled in that with their, their leaders, their, their sages, their wise men in the occult. They thought no harm was going to happen to them. So you have trusted in evil. You have said, no one sees me. Your, your wisdom and your knowledge, it is, and then we have a word. Now, this word literally means... Someone who engages in, in mischief, meaning someone who engages in activities that are not acceptable, not appropriate. When I did a fuller study of this word, we see that it's related to rebellion. So in their knowledge, in their wisdom, what they thought, it caused them this perspective that they had which was apart from God's revelation, it caused them to be rebellious. And this is significant. Why? It tells us everything that they did was based upon rebelliousness to the things of God. This is why they traveled westward. This is why they attacked Judah. This is why they destroyed the temple. It was an, a, an example of their rebelliousness towards the things of God. And he says here, and you will say in your heart, I, meaning again, this same expression, it's me and, and there's no other. It's this perspective that 
Everything is about me. I do things only thinking of myself. There's no thought whatsoever to any type of responsibility towards another, any type of submissiveness to, to God. What we find here in Babylon is that they use the occult, sorcery, witchcraft, enchantments, and such in order to accomplish their will. And that's why twice we see that expression about me and there's no other but me. That's what their mindset was all about. Verse, verse 11. Evil shall come upon you. And this evil, it says, that you didn't know, that you didn't experience. So evil will come upon you that you did not know. And then it speaks about, and it's a word here in the same way that, that the sun rises at dawn. This is the word for dawn, early in the morning, going up, arising. And it says concerning this, this evil that's going to arise, it's also going to fall upon you. And this is to destruction. This is a word of, of great loss. And it says, you will not have, and then there's a word, kapara, which is usually thought of as atonement. There's going to be nothing that you can do to alleviate, avoid, not experience this judgment. And this word for, for destruction represents a catastrophe. Something of great loss, great suffering. And again, God has said, I'm going to bring this upon Babylon. And there's no way that this can be avoided. He also says, look at the end of verse 11. And, and this shall come upon you quickly. And what's this? Well, it's the word Shoah. Now, probably if you come from a Jewish background, you know the term Shoah because it is the Hebrew term for a Holocaust, the Holocaust. What happened during World War II? It's a word of, of a great catastrophe of hardship and suffering and death and loss of, of every type. And what God is saying is this, because Nebuchadnezzar, and his army attacked Judah, destroyed Jerusalem, burnt the temple to the ground, carried the people into captivity. Because of this, they are going to experience their own type of, of holocaust. This is what God's going to bring upon them. One, this destruction, this catastrophe, it says once more, that, that, that you did not know. This is going to be far worse, far greater than they could ever imagine. This is what God is saying because they dared to go up to Jerusalem for war. Verse 12. You stand in the midst of your enchantments and in the abundance of your sorcery. And then it says... In this, in which is a way we could say it, in which you toiled. And this is a word for working extensively. You have toiled from your youth. 
Meaning, this is not something that was, was out of character for Babylon. From the origin of Babylon, they were about sorcery, enchantment, what we could say, a type of idolatry, witchcraft. This is what they use to build this vast, this great empire. But here's what God's saying. They might build a great empire, but because they were defiant and rebellious against God, because they laid hands upon the Jewish people, all of this is going to bring about God's judgment upon them, and that they are going to suffer greatly. It says, perhaps, this is what they're thinking, and God's kind of mocking them. You know, perhaps you will be able to to be be successful. Now, the word here, ho'il, means something that is positive, something that has a good effect. You know, with all of this, do you think that you're going to to be uh, uh, helped by someone? Perhaps that you will will be able to scare away, and that's literally what that last word means, scare away, God scare away the, the, the source and the punishment that's coming. Is that what you think? God, again, is mocking them in this, this term. Now look at verse 13. He says, you have been wearied. Now, this is a word which means to be worn out. What we find is this, that the, the faith in God, when we are faithfully walking with God, we are going to be empowered by him. When we are serving God, we don't wear out. We don't burn out. We don't get worn out. What happens? We're renewed. Faithfulness renews us. Faithfulness empowers us. Worship, what does the scripture say in the book of Nehemiah? The joy of the Lord is my strength. And some have seen this joy. Yes, it's a form of worship, but it's also in regard to obeying the will of God. So when I walk in obedience, I'm going to be rejuvenated. I'm going to be empowered. I'm going to be renewed. What does the scripture say elsewhere? Also in this book of Isaiah, and we've studied it previously where it says, you know, when we look at humanity, even the young people wear out, they faint. But those who are in a covenantal relationship with God, who walk according to his purposes, his will, what's going to happen? Their strength is going to be renewed. They will, will walk and run and not grow weary. They're going to be empowered. This is in contrast to What's happening to Babylon? It says here, look again, verse 13. You will be made tired. You will grow weary in the abundance of your counselors. Hearing what they say that you should do. And here's what the practical understanding of this verse is. As they see judgment coming. And when I say judgment, they may not recognize that this is from the God of Israel, but they are knowledgeable in the sense that they see their empire becoming very weak, frail, and ultimately 
going to be ruled over by another, that they are going to suffer loss. And what do they have? They have all of these counselors telling them what to do. There's no clear message. There's no unity. There's all of these counselors that are wearing them out. And it says that they shall stand, but they will not save you. And he says here, the, the enchantments and those who have visions of, of heaven and the stars, they, the ones that inform you about each and every month in which that you should go unto it, what they say, all of these are going to be a source of confusion. They are going to wear you out with their, their counsel, these that proclaim all these things. They're not going to be of any value. Verse 14. This is what Babylon's going to be before God. He says, verse 14, Behold, they were as straw, and fire burnt them. And he says, they will not be saved, meaning their, their soul, they will not be saved from the hand of flame. And the coal will not warm them. And this is a coal, kind of an ember, is not going to be a source of, of warmth. And they're not going to be able to sit before an ember, meaning as well to, to get warm. Meaning there's no future for them. God is going to bring this empire to destruction. And this destruction is going to be ongoing. It's going to be long term. There's not going to be any good that comes from this type of judgment. Now realize, this is in contrast to the discipline that God places upon his covenant people. In Babylon, very poor, great suffering, experienced death, loss, all of that. But there was a remnant that survived and were restored. What God is saying here, that there's not going to be any coal, any ember to warm you that you can sit before. There is no future. God's not going to leave any uh, uh, survivor for this empire. It's not going to return to what it was. Our last verse, verse 15. Now, let me conclude by saying that this verse strongly condemns Babylon for being engaged in sorcery, in witchcraft, in enchantments, in making spells, all this. All this that's part of witchcraft and the occult. And we see that ultimately God says something very strong. Look at our last verse, verse 15. Thus they were to you. Who's this? All those who you toiled with. This is what the scripture says. These merchants of your youth. Now here, these merchants of their youth, there is a, a difference of opinion. Now, these sorcerers, these wizards, we might say, they did everything for a payment. And the Babylonians were all too willing to pay them in order to get help, what they thought was help, and good counsel from 
these sorcerers, these who offered up enchantments, those who tell, tell things by, by the stars and, and what happens in the sky, astrology. So this is one interpretation of the, the merchants of your youth, that, that Babylon had a history of this type of activity. Another way to understand it is that they use such things in order to have success, material success in business. And from their youth, they were very successful. They were a vast, powerful empire of great wealth, but God judged that. And all that they, they built up, God brought down. And this is what it's saying here. And then finally it says, Ish le evro ta'u. This is a man, and the implication is each man. There's no exception. Each one is going to be led astray to his, his side, his corner, meaning this. There is going to be a separation. There is going to be an individual account, meaning this. Judgment's going to fall, and everyone is going to be led astray by this sorcery, by this enchantment, and they are going to be led to a place, their own specific place where judgment is going to fall upon them. This is what verse 15 is saying. And the context is, very important word, ta'u. Ta'u means to be led astray, to go astray, to, to travel in the wrong direction, where there's danger, where there's going to be hardship, and in this case, they are going to meet the judgment, the vengeance of God. And notice what it says at the end, and Moshiach, which means there is no Savior to them. They have chose the occult. They have chose witchcraft. They have chose sorcery. And when you choose this, there is no help. There is no deliverance. There is no salvation. There is simply judgment, and let me conclude with this, and that is a very lonely judgment. One of the things that, that the Torah teaches is in that plague of darkness. Imagine this. Now, I've shared this before, but I think it's a, a powerful image that we need to see. When that plague of darkness came, it was afilah, thick darkness, not just hoshek, normal darkness, but afilah, which is darkness of a thickness, which means the people, and the Torah says this, that if they were sitting, they couldn't stand. If they were standing, they couldn't sit. They were kind of frozen. This darkness was so thick, they were frozen and couldn't move. Now, just imagine you going about your normal activity, thinking everything's fine, and then in a moment, everything's dark. You're alone. You can't hear anything. That thick darkness, it stops sounds. It's so thick you can't move. You're just frozen in this darkness. And it's interesting because if you look at the, the Midrash Rabbah and what it says about this, it was the most fearful. Now, it lasted three days. They didn't know if it was going to be eternal, those who were experiencing this. 
And the message is this, that they were alone. They could find no comfort in solidarity with others. And what God is saying at the end of this 47th chapter is that each one is going to be led astray to his own corner, his own space, where he meets God's personal wrath upon him, that they are going to suffer, each one individually alone, by themselves, the judgment, the punishment of God. What we see in the scripture is that the judgment of God is not just torturesome, meaning full of pain and agony, but it's also of great, great fear and sorrow and sadness. So there's an emotional aspect and there's also a physical, meaning it's his wrath in a degree of totality. This is what God has placed upon the Babylonians because they did what they thought was right. They pursued their objectives. They were led by falsehood rather than submitting to the authority and the truth of God. Well, we'll end with that until next week. Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Thank you.